Talk to me anymore when I come through the door at the end of the day. I remember when this is Family Life Today with our host, best-selling author and conference speaker Dennis Rainey. I'm Bob Lapine, and we'll try and find out what happened to the flowers and the love songs today on Family Life Today. And welcome to Family Life Today. Thanks for joining us on the broadcast. And if you've wondered about uh, the flowers and the love songs, it was foxes that got to them, right? It was foxes. <laughs> we, we looked yesterday at uh, who's been stealing romance from marriages. And uh, in Song of Solomon, chapter 2, verse 15, we found that there were little foxes in the vineyard nibbling away at the blossoms before they had a chance to become fruit. And I assumed immediately that the foxes you were talking about uh, had names and lived around my house. Children. But you told us yesterday uh, that the foxes can be marriage itself, which can be a robber of romance. That's right. It can be the enemy of our souls, the devil who is stealing our relationship of romance. Or it can be guilt about past or present sin in our marriage relationship. But there are other foxes that uh, prowl about in our vineyard? There are, and we might as well get after the one that you want to talk about, and that's kids. Uh, There's a lot of listeners move closer to the radio right now when we talk about how children can rob a marriage of its romance. Mm -hmm. When our kids were little, Barbara and I were exhausted by just the sheer enormous weight of having six kids in 10 years Mm -hmm. and taking care of the daily duties. And so when it came time for some romance to go out to eat, many times we found romance could be more easily achieved by not getting a babysitter, by not going out, by not taking uh, the phone call from the babysitter in the middle of the meal out uh, trying to achieve a romantic uh, dinner, but instead putting the kids to bed at our house, uh, giving them a good book to read, and then having dinner quiet dinner in our bedroom. Hmm. And uh, it was really quite fun. What I would do is I would treat Barbara to the meal. So she got a chance to catch up on some errands about the house as I would uh, get a tablecloth on a real small table and I would get the good china and I'd carry it uh, up to our bedroom and uh, lay out a, a beautiful place setting, get some candles there and, and uh, I would prepare the meal and yes, I did the dishes too. Good usually, for you. really, that's I, I'm astounded myself <laughs> as I look back on it. But uh, I would um, I would set that evening apart, and uh, we would uh, have a little music there, and we didn't have to go anywhere. Mm-hmm. And you know, we found that we could reconnect, we could talk, we could have fun together, and that uh, we didn't have to go anywhere. At the end of the evening, the the mood of the evening was not broken by taking a an adolescent babysitter back to his or her home, but instead we would just be together. And um, if the evening progressed uh, into physical intimacy, that was fine. But if it didn't, uh, that was okay too. That was a real lifesaver in our early married years when we were in the process of having a lot of kids and it was difficult to get away from the house. Now, there had to be some nights when you were sitting quietly in the bedroom enjoying dinner and there was a little knock at the door or there was a little patter of feet down the hall. Yes, and you use those times to um, 
warmly encourage the children not to do that. <laughs> That's right. We, we really were pretty stern with the kids. And, and uh, now our listeners are going to think, now, you're really cruel. But I would put the kids to bed and I would say, now, now listen, I have just released alligators in the hall. <laughs> They're pretend alligators. And they, will not, they will not get you as long as you're going potty. If you need to go potty, the alligators won't bother you. But if you come to bug mom or dad, you're in big, big trouble. And they would snicker and grin, and they knew it was all a hoax. They knew it was fun and games. Right. But they enjoyed the laughter of it all. And it made the evening kind of fun for them that dad had released the alligators in the, in the hall and that mom and dad could close their door, lock the door, and then have a quiet meal together. I, I honestly don't recall us being interrupted that many times. Hmm. Now, how often would you plan a special evening like that well we would try for once a week my goodness yeah that's a lot of dishes dennis well <laughs> it's it's according to how serious you are about romance bob <laughs> that's a good if point. you're desperate for romance and and you really want to have some time together uh, we didn't achieve it uh, there would probably be uh, on a monthly basis uh, two or three times a month that we'd be able to uh, get together with our schedules uh, being what they are with family life marriage conferences and such but it was really the priority on the schedule that Barbara and I would have uh, a date night. And, you know, that's really what carried us on to the next group, which is the teenage years. Teenagers can really, they can rob a, a relationship more of the romance than little kids mm-hmm. because they don't go to bed. <laughs> they roam and they graze through the refrigerator until all hours of the night and they turn their stereos up. And, I mean, you got to have some serious counter music <laughs> to be able to, to uh, overpower their boom boxes. You right. know what I mean? Uh-huh. But uh, we've had some interesting conversations with our teenagers because uh, it seems like they're just wanting to get started talking about 1030 at night. And uh, that may be a time when Barbara and I may just like to be alone in our bedroom with the door shut and just be able to talk a little bit. Mm -hmm. And I remember going through a period of time where, where I got angry that I felt like we were having too much of an open door policy with our teenagers and they weren't respecting our privacy. And so we really had to go through a little education process there. We had to talk to them about uh, when this door is shut, mom and dad have to have some time of privacy. Now it's fascinating. Our kids have come back and said, well, now, wait a second. It seems like you're kind of shutting us out of, of your life. And, you know, that's a phenomenal guilt-producing statement. Mm-hmm. But it, it, uh, it doesn't help you develop romance, and it doesn't help you develop a relationship called marriage. Mm-hmm. And what we've had to do with our kids is put our arms around the kids and say, you know what, this door remains open for a lot of hours during the day. But this relationship, this relationship must be sealed off from the world. Now, if you've got an urgent problem, most certainly you can come in and talk about uh, whatever you need to talk about till the wee hours of the morning. And we have done that either by phone as our kids have gone away to college or in person as they've thrown themselves across the bed and cried about perhaps a, a broken relationship with the opposite sex. You've got to be available to those kids during those periods of time. But what those kids need to know, that relationship, marriage, your marriage, is of such utmost importance. And the romance of that relationship is such a priority that, you know what, there are going to be times when we shut the door and it's just us. Now, another way we take care of this problem is we have date nights and we get, uh, we get away uh, for us on a Sunday night for a date. And then two or three times a year, we try to get away for two or three nights. And initially, we got away for two nights away from the kids. But um, 
as we've gotten older, we've found that uh, three nights away really works better because it kind of takes a night to unwind, and then it's good to have a couple of nights uh, to be able to, to walk and, uh, and take walks together and talk without having to immediately come back home. Well, children aren't the only foxes. They have some little fox buddies that they bring <laughs> along with them and bring into the relationship. Yeah, and, and every parent has felt this next fox. It's exhaustion. Yeah. And, and exhaustion is a, a great robber of romance in a marriage relationship. There was a study done in uh, American Demographics, uh, done by the American Sociological Review, of um, dual earner couples, uh, couples who uh, both work outside the home. And they said, uh, the wives said, that they spend 44 minutes a day watching TV together. That's almost an hour. Mm -hmm. 36 minutes daily in homemaking and personal care. 33 minutes daily eating meals together. Now, that's astounding. Mm -hmm. But listen to this last one. 12 minutes daily talking with each other. Mm. Is it no wonder why we have such a scarcity of romance in uh, American marriages where both the husband and the wife work? There's nothing left over. You look at the pace that uh, we live under today, and a lot of folks are arriving home at the end of the day um, totally emotionally spent, physically, mentally. There's nobody home. I mean, they have had it. And a friend of mine uh, gave me a good word one time. He, he actually writes on a 3 by 5 card and leaves it on his desk at work, leave some for home. Hmm. And that has reminded him to save some emotional energy, some spiritual energy for leading his family so that when he arrives home, he doesn't arrive to become a giant amoeba in front of the television set to watch a movie or to zone out for the rest of the evening. Uh, but he arrives at home uh, enthusiastic and energetic about leading his family and having some relationship time with his wife. Mm -hmm. Well, it's good to have that general mindset of saving some for home, uh, but it it still feels exhausting at the end of some days. There's a lot going on. This has really got to be a priority, doesn't it? Romance must be a commitment that a couple makes to their marriage. They've got to decide that romance will be built in to their marriage, if not on a daily basis, certainly on a weekly basis. And the way you do that is you schedule it. Now, I know that sounds cruel. That sounds harsh. It sounds cold. But Barbara and I planned those uh, evening uh, dinner dates together up in our bedroom. And we have a, a standing date on a Sunday night where we know we, we can spend some time together uh, as a couple. Um, that commitment sets that time apart and protects it and preserves it so that we as a couple know we've got a window that we can look forward to. And, you know, part of the fun is beginning to anticipate those evenings together and maybe kidding around with one another and, and hugging each other and say, you know, I can't wait for our, our romantic dinner together up in the bedroom. That's going to be a lot of fun. Or uh, I can't wait for our dinner date. We're going out next week. I'm going to take you to a special spot. Um, those are the kind of uh, spontaneous things that tell your spouse you're thinking of him, you're thinking of her, and you really do value being with them as a person. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I talked with um, one of our listeners recently, Dennis, on a call-in program in St. Louis. Uh, she had called in to the broadcast. Her frustration was not around exhaustion or children. Her frustration was really around uh, feeling resentment. She said, I wish my husband wanted to pray with me 
as much as he wants to have sex with me. I wish he was more of a spiritual leader. Uh, she resented the, the missing dimension from their relationship, and I'm sure it was spilling over into their romantic relationship. When a woman or a man fails to forgive their spouse, that resentment can paralyze romantic feelings and can really thwart us moving toward our spouse with any degree of creativity wanting to make them a priority. I got this letter from one of our listeners who had been listening to our series on emotional affairs that we aired uh, a number of months ago. And uh, this woman was married to a man who was emotionally distant. And uh, she wrote, So many times lately when we actually have made love, we get done and I feel so used, like a prostitute. I do my best to make him feel loved and very wanted when he's home. But it is once again at the expense of my deep-seated need to have him talk to me lovingly. With lover's whispers and kiss me deeply and passionately, and touch and kiss me all over, rather than just going immediately to the sexual side of the relationship. Though we lay together and talked and reminisced over bygone days for a while last night, it seems to always come back to those things I yearn for him to do and say, for me to feel that he loves me and treasures and cherishes me above anything else in his life, including his job and the kids. Sometimes I only feel like an extension of the kids, just his family, which he's very proud of, but not desired and cherished as a woman. Do you hear that woman? She is sharing of a longing in her soul to share life with her husband. You know, marriage was not intended to be two ships passing in the night. This woman is desirous of sharing romantic intrigue with her husband, but that will come only after she feels he has let her in to the interior of his life. Mm -hmm. And that is so difficult for men. We have to practice that, and we have to work at being real with our wives. But this lady, I believe, shares with us how we as men need to cherish and honor and nurture our relationship with our wives. If there has been resentment build in a marriage relationship, either because the husband or the wife feels that his or her mate has not been responsive to them, for whatever reason the resentment exists, what can a couple do to tear down the wall of resentment and begin to build back into the romance of their marriage relationship? Ruth Graham says, uh, a good marriage is the union of two forgivers. She knew the reality of Ephesians chapter 4, verse 31 and 32. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. You get the picture there? It says to literally push that away, trying to take out your resentment towards him or towards her. That won't work. Instead, put it away and replace it with being kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving each other, just as God in Christ has forgiven you. You know, the words kind and tender-hearted are both words from which romance is fueled. Mm -hmm. Being kind to a person, thinking of what would communicate kindness to them. It may mean cleaning out the garage, the refrigerator, doing something they've been asking you to do for days or weeks. Tender-hearted means 
in anticipation of, of their needs, thinking of what they want and what would communicate love to them, and then certainly forgiving them uh, when you have a complaint against them. A, a Christian marriage has got to be a marriage full of grace, a relationship that says, I choose to give you unmerited favor. I choose to forgive you even though you don't deserve it. Hmm. Now, that's Jesus Christ living in a human being. You know, there may be some of our listeners who are thinking, well, I don't think kids are a problem for us, or I don't feel exhausted particularly. I don't think there's a lot of resentment. I know the enemy is prowling about, and I know that marriage can lapse into boredom. I I don't know that that's it. I don't feel any sense of guilt. There, There must be some hidden fox in our vineyard because I can't put my finger on what is stealing our relationship of romance. A number of years ago, I got a letter from a lady who attended one of our family life marriage conferences, and that was exactly what she was saying in her letter. She said, Dennis, you're exhorting us as women to have sex with our husbands when there's something lurking in the closet that we haven't dealt with. She said it's sexual abuse. Hmm. She said, and it's more prevalent than uh, you really are giving it credit for out here in this culture. And uh, you know what? She was right. Women, or for that matter, men who have experienced sexual abuse uh, may not even know that they have experienced that in their backgrounds. Mm -hmm. And what they need is either a counselor or a book that's going to help jar that back to reality so that they can come to grips with exactly what it is that is causing them to not be interested in their spouse romantically or sexually. Mm -hmm. And I think uh, today there are a lot of married couples who are suffering, they're languishing, they're, they're struggling under this phantom from the past that they're not even aware of its sexual abuse. And they aren't aware that they have been either molested, where they have been abused. Those types of events do have an impact on us emotionally, and they do inhibit sexual responsiveness and romantic responsiveness within a marriage relationship. Mm. And I would just say to a listener who uh, has not been able to be free to respond, if you have never really uh, taken a look into this area, could I encourage you to get a copy of Dan Allender's book, The Wounded Heart? I really think a lot of Christian marriages have struggled in an area where if they would simply read this, they would be able to understand why the lack of sexual responsiveness is occurring. Yeah, we interviewed Dr. Allender a while back here on Family Life Today talking about this subject of sexual abuse, and we have both his book, The Wounded Heart, and the audio cassettes of that interview available in our Family Life Resource Center. And if our listeners are interested in getting copies of those as a way to help deal with this particular fox in the vineyard, you can give us a call toll-free at 1-800-FL-TODAY, and one of our customer service representatives can help you uh, find out how you can get either of those resources. And then you've got a final fox prowling about in the vineyard, right? This may be the most important fox of all. All right, we'll talk about that in just a minute. We've also put together a number of items that we think would be helpful for couples who really want to uh, develop a more romantic marriage. Over time, there will be a a drift away from romance. It becomes something that couples need to uh, focus on and concentrate on 
in order to maintain a romantic marriage. And that's what God intends for marriage. He wants it to be uh, romantic, exciting, and passionate. And if you need some help in that area, can I suggest something that we put together here at Family Life that we are very excited about? It is called Simply Romantic, and it's put together with uh, married couples in mind as a way for couples to uh, reignite the romantic spark in marriage. You know, one of the things that I think that really uh, brings a lot of benefit to every marriage from Simply Romantic is that it contains 60 ideas for romance for a husband that will help him communicate romance to his wife and 60 ideas for the wife that will help her spell romance to her husband. It's, uh, well, it's, it's simple and it's, uh, it's effective and it's practical. Every marriage will benefit from uh, spending some time with this collection. It also includes an audio cassette of romantic music, some piano music, some classical music. There's a, a wide variety of romantic styles of music on the audio cassette. There's a booklet that Dennis has written on why romance needs to be a part of every marriage relationship. All of this done from a biblical basis. So if you're interested in reigniting the spark and in doing it in a way that will glorify God in your marriage relationship. Call us or write us and find out more about Simply Romantic. We think that this kit, this tool for couples, could help make this the most romantic year you've ever had in your marriage. And in fact, uh, Valentine's Day is less than two weeks away. You might want to get this as a gift for your Valentine this year. Instead of making one day a romantic day each year, this is a great way to plan a year's worth of romance for your marriage. Again, it's called Simply Romantic. And if you have any questions about it, call us toll free at 1-800-FL-TODAY. It's 1-800-F as in family, L as in life, and then the word today. And one of our customer service representatives can explain more about it to you, or you can order a copy if you'd like to receive it. If you'd prefer to reach us by writing, our address is Family Life Today, Box 8220. Little Rock, Arkansas, and our zip code is 72221. Once again, it's Family Life Today, Box 8220, Little Rock, Arkansas, and our zip code is 72221. Let me say a word to uh, those of you who tried to call last week and were unable to get through. We were flooded. We had thousands of calls from listeners all across the country who were interested in attending one of our upcoming Family Life Marriage Conferences or our Family Life Parenting Conferences. We were thrilled with the response, but we know that many of you were not able to get through, and that's why we decided that this week we would extend the offer. This Friday is absolutely the last opportunity that you'll have to call and save $30 on registration for either of our conferences. And we have conferences scheduled for more than 40 cities around the country this spring. So again, if you'd like to save $30 off conference registration for a couple at either a Family Life Marriage Conference or a Family Life Parenting Conference, call us today, toll-free, 1-800-FL-TODAY. It's 1-800-358-6329. That's 1-800-F as in family, L as in life, and then the word today. And I might just add, attending one of the Family Life Marriage Conferences is a great romantic weekend for couples. If you're looking for a practical idea for building a more romantic marriage, coming to one of these conferences is a great action point from today's broadcast. Now, Dennis, you mentioned there is one final fox in the vineyard, right? I've got one last one, and I know I said it may be the most important, and you're wondering, why did I keep this until the last? Well, that's because we're going to spend the next few days here on 
Family Life today talking extensively about our differences and how we approach the subject of romance. You know, you got some men who are really romantic and some men who are hopelessly unromantic, <laughs> at least according to their wives. All right. You've got some women who uh, are uh, very romantic, very creative, and some women who uh, really don't place much of a priority on romance in the relationship. But you know, regardless of whether you view yourself as romantic or non-romantic or your spouse, both of you as individuals in this thing called Christian marriage must make romance a priority. There are some generalizations we can make about men and women, and that's what you're going to do over the next couple of days, right? Yeah, and we can conclude with that. Men view romance as equal to the sex act intercourse, and women view it very relationally. All right. But stay tuned for further information (laughs) on both of those subjects. We'll talk about that on tomorrow's broadcast, and I hope you can be with us. Our engineer is Mark Whitlock. Our host is Dennis Rainey. I'm Bob Lapine. We'll see you tomorrow for another edition of Family Life Today. Family Life Today is a production of Family Life of Little Rock, Arkansas, a ministry of Campus Crusade for Christ.